You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz. So, Mike, I'm not sure what to think about all this. I I knew it was going to get crazier, um, and it did get crazier. I'm talking about this Ravens-Steelers matchup, the thing that's been moved now three times, started off. It was supposed to be on uh, Thanksgiving night. Then it went to Sunday afternoon. Then it went to Tuesday night. Now it's Wednesday we're going to play the game. What, what would you do if you're coaching this? How do you even begin to, to keep the guys focused on this one? Well, they've, they've obviously done their preparation and have been done with it for some time. So uh, the, to me, the biggest issue is, is keeping those guys uh, in shape physically, that they're, they're running enough, you know, yeah. that they, their strength part of it. All, that's, that diminishes really pretty quick when you take a week off or – or longer so to get the kind of workout that they need to play a football game, you know, they have to work out really hard if they're, you know, if there's no practice, for instance. So that would yeah. be number one. I think, you know, when you start the season here and this year is such an anomaly that I think you just tell the players and the coaching staff that you got to prepare them for this at the beginning. It, it's it's going to happen. Somebody might be us and you just got to deal with it. And really what it's going to end up being is if, they played a Sunday game and they got to run play on Thursday. So that, that part of it, they've been through, you know, they get that in terms of the planning part of it, but yeah, to, to want to play here in two days and they get it postponed and get it postponed. Uh, both teams are, you know, it's, it's hard on both of them, but um, you know, you had to know that something like this might happen though too. Yeah. Okay. So now you throw the 49ers weird situation in there where they find out as they're flying down to Los Angeles, before they play and beat the Rams that they uh, will not be playing the rest of their home games in the state. They have now made an arrangement to play uh, in Arizona at the Cardinal stadium. So I'm adding all this up and I'm thinking, okay, league, you've got multiple positive tests from random people all around the league. um, And it seems like a little more, a little more, a little more, it's starting to creep up. Okay. So, do you have a playoff plan in place? And I'm sure the answer to that is yes, but should they be now thinking about or should they execute some type of bubble plan similar to what the NBA did, maybe what uh, hockey did? Maybe it's a couple cities you play your playoff games in because this could be disastrous as you work into the, 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 the early winter months here and into the playoffs uh, for, for having games go. I think it's a good idea to have a bubble plan for the playoffs for those teams. I think it's a real good idea. Uh, that would ensure the fact that, uh, you know, you don't end up postponing and then postponing the Super Bowl. They won't move the Super Bowl, obviously. So yeah, I think right. it's a real good idea. I think it, it's a must almost. I think you're, you're right spot on there that they should bubble all the playoff teams and, and protect them to make sure that this doesn't happen. But I think one of the things, too, that we have to realize is these, these guys are testing positive, but for the most part, they're all asymptomatic, which is good news. Yeah, right. It is. It is. 
My son said the other day, interesting that the NFL does not miss games, do they? You know, college no. cancels this. <laughs> we pick up an opponent here. They yeah. call somebody, hey, you want to play a game? That all works, but they don't, they don't, uh, they'll cancel games if they have to, but they don't, they, uh, they make sure they cash that ticket in, don't they? Yeah, it's a TV contract. There's no question. Yeah. But you know, in, in all seriousness, the, uh, I think that the NFL playing games during the season is vital to the country. I really do. I know it sounds silly, but yeah, you know, everybody watches football and they all have their team and it's a morale thing. And I think it's important that they do play. And I've, I've heard so much stuff that shame on the NFL. They need to cancel it. They need to do this. They need to do that. No, no, it's too important. I think, uh, you, know, you start eliminating these things. It becomes very depressing, but I think it's a great morale booster. And I think the league has done a really good job of monitoring everything and, and keeping things squeezed down pretty good. But we knew we also knew things like the Denver Broncos situation would happen that there are going to be some players that aren't as cautious and careful as they should be. And that's a lesson for all of us, I guess. Yeah, right. When they lose all three quarterbacks on the roster and had to dive down into a, a guy who played quarterback in college and and give him a crash course on how to take the snap and okay. So let me ask you this <laughs> let me ask you this question, Ron. <laughs> If this was the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers and the big guy went down. Yeah. And then, you know, the same situation to the quarterback group at the Steelers, would they have been asked to play, do you think? Oh, boy. Oh, that's a good one, Mike. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, we talked about this in the summer. So what happens if Russell Wilson goes down? The right. day before the uh, how about Patrick know, just, Mahomes and all the quarterbacks? Let's just say it right. happened in that in that scenario. Yeah, is there preferential treatment because of your record or whatever? Who knows? Um, I yeah. should like that, but I had to think about though as I was watching that game. Just think if this happened to Ben Roethlisberger and the quarterback group, you know, would they postpone the game or would they just play it? Yeah, now that's uh, those are good questions. Boy, this is. This is why this is, uh, as my kids say, this is very easty, very easty. Uh, who's your play? Who was your player of the week? I think Derrick Henry has to be. There's, you know, obviously Patrick Mahomes and yeah. Aaron Donald was a beast. You know, even though they lost that game, he was so impressive in that game. And that's something. But you know, you carry the ball 29 times for like 179 yards, 6.6 average. But yeah. look at who it's against. One of the best defenses in the league. Yeah, and they had a couple guys missing. They, a couple guys were COVID and, and couldn't yeah, uh, right. couldn't make the game. That had an effect. They they played less than two weeks ago, you know, a week right. and a half ago. So, but you know, Derrick Henry, you know, this time of year, the thing I love about him, like last year, he at the end of the year in the playoffs, he's at his very best, and that's a champion, buddy. You know, as you yeah. know, it's yeah. when it's a really important. First of all, back in the league anymore to carry a ball twenty nine times is unusual. Usually yeah. they carry the ball two or three times and then they're giving it that, you know, to the sideline. Yeah. yeah. Here comes Trapped his replacement. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. So, and that's another, I got to sidetrack here real quick. You know, Ron Ross coaching with the guys that we had, Isaac and Tori and the group, you know, they'd run on a, on a catch a deep ball or they'd run on a deep route and didn't get the ball. You didn't see those guys tap the helmet. <laughs> You know, they played the whole game. They played – they might have had three or four plays off during the game, but, I mean, they just yeah. – they never tapped the helmet. I watch that all the time in college. I watch it in the NFL, and it's just 
I don't get it. Yeah. You know, just um, if I'm a player, I, w- I don't want to tap my helmet, come out of that game. I don't care how tired you are, you know. But yeah. anyway, that's that's uh, that's the old coach, I guess. I, I, you know what? Okay, so that brings up another point. Now I get sidetracked. So I always wondered why when a receiver would run a deep route on me and, you know, they, they, they exactly. missed the shot, he taps his helmet, he comes out. You stay in, got to play. I got to stay in. <laughs> Right. And, right. I, and you know what? I, 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 I told my dad once, I said, you know what you guys ought to do? I said, you guys, you take a corner deep and you miss it, right? Put a fresh guy in there and go We've deep at him that. again. Because that corner, have you? Yeah, that corner, I'm that, exhausted. Yes. And I'm praying to God, <laughs> please do not take me deep again, deep again, or run a deep comeback. I'm going to yeah. give it the, the deep comeback. Yeah. I've done that before. We did in a preseason game just for the heck of it. I don't remember yeah. who it was, but we, we put one after the other and then just one after. I was against the Chargers in preseason sort of like. Oh, did and, you uh, was that, oh, did you do that to Seau? Were you running Seau around the no, field? Oh, no, we did that with a formation. He couldn't get – we would change <laughs> formations three times and Seau would be pointing and doing this and doing that and – Finally, just throw his hands up here. <laughs> but, just, just run it, run it, lock and run it, lock and run a, it. We had a corner. I won't mention his name. We had a corner that we went after, and we did that. And I, Isaac ended up catching a touchdown on the, you know, like yeah. the second one or something. But it's, it makes sense. It does. You know, offensively, you got to think though. If you don't connect on all three of them, it's one, two, three kick. You know, so you don't want to do that. But yeah, and it, yeah. you're assuming you're not going to get covered two or something in that respect. But yeah. it just. Uh, that what you just said was my argument with the receivers. Why would you come out of the game? And the guy that you're running against, he didn't come out of the game. And yeah. it's not that our backups were, weren't good enough because they were certainly yeah. very capable, but it was just a competitive thing. You know, I just, that's yeah. the nature of guys playing the game now. You know, they just wrote, everybody rotates in and out and, you know, they're timing and how fast you run the game and all that kind of stuff. And I just, yeah. uh, it's changed for sure. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Are, are offensive coaches by nature, uh, impatient. I think some are for sure. Yes, yeah. I think some are, and, and really, Ron, uh, defensive coordinators can be very impatient. They you can know, be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Monty Kiffin down in in uh, Tampa Bay, uh, he wanted to blitz you every snap, but they're playing that Tampa too, and yeah. you just knew in the crunch he's going to bring everybody, and he did. And so, you could yeah. kind of get a feel for guys like that when they're getting impatient, you know, or panicky. But um, I think I do think some guys do, you know, um, mm-hmm. that was something I used to fight uh, because I, I love to come out first time and get chunks, you know, put the defense on their heels. But um, and then some other guys are just the opposite. They're, you know, they have all this stuff and they're afraid to call it, so to speak. And in other words, you don't yeah. trust your players in that respect. And I think that's not a good thing either. Yeah. Yeah. And that was dad's answer too. He said, I said, well, why don't you do that? And he said, because by nature, offensive people were very impatient. And what you just mentioned, the last thing they want to see is a three and out. You're right. not going to give you too many of those three and outs now. You know, that's like money coming out of the bank every time you know, it's cash and checks every time you go with three and out. Right. So they, they want to make those, those things count. Anyway, that, that's, uh, that's, that's good food for thought there. So Mike, before we get to, uh, Monday night's game. Let's talk about the standings real quick. Things things changed pretty fast, and I'm looking at the NFC. And now, two weeks ago, we were calling it uh, the NFC, the six and three NFC, because it seemed like there were so many teams that were six and three, right. especially in the NFC West. Now I look at the standings this morning, and things look a little different. Okay, all of a sudden, the Seattle Seahawks have leapfrogged the Rams. 
And of course the Rams, you know, had that performance against San Francisco, which I I'm still scratching my head on a couple of things there, but uh, the Seahawks with, with a win Monday night against an, an inept to be nice about it, an inept Eagles team. They're now eight and three Rams are seven and four in second place. Jump to the South, uh, the saints nine and two. Like it seemed like, like last week we were only talking about one 10 win team and that was the Steelers. Now all of a sudden, the Saints, they're nine wins, all right? right? And the Buccaneers, as bad as as it feels for them, and it is bad in some areas, they're seven and five, but they're solid in second place. Seven and five, heck, they're the same record as the Rams, okay? And we were just talking a couple weeks ago about the Rams being the class and the best team in the NFC, and maybe they still are, but showing you how things can change. And Green Bay, eight and three. So all of a sudden in this conference, you've got – two eight-win teams, and one nine-win team in the NFC. I still think the class of the NFC is, uh, are the Packers. You know, they're, when you look at their numbers, too, they're running the ball again very well. Defensively, they're probably 20th or so in the league or maybe 14th, uh, somewhere in the middle of the pack. But I've always felt like uh, when the dust settles in this, the Packers will be there in the NFC as champions. And I think the next one would probably be uh, down New Orleans, those two teams. I just don't mm-hmm. think the Eagles are good at or the Eagles. The, uh, I just don't think the Seahawks are good enough on defense to withstand the barrage of those good teams in the playoffs when push comes to shove. And the Rams got exposed a little bit with, uh, you know, they're not as good on offense as they probably should be in terms of, what they're doing um, defensively, they're so good. You know, they've right. defensively right. they're winning games now, and it was just the opposite here a few years ago. So, um, I think those two teams. I really think that the Packers and and uh, New Orleans will be the two teams at the top, and when it's all said and done, yeah, it, it's starting to feel that way. Uh, so, I was at that Rams game. We were covering it here in LA. Uh, so, Aaron Donald is my pick for MVP. And there's some good ones out there, I know. And I, and I know it's kind of always favored an offensive guy somewhat. But from the start of the season, Mike, he has done things that give that team a chance. You, they talk about defensive players, especially the pass rush, being able to affect the game, change the game. That was a perfect example of it. I, for all intents and purposes, the Rams are going to get run out of the building if Aaron Donald doesn't make a couple plays, especially the last play where he – he caused a fumble on Mullins, and then they pick it up and score, and, and it uh, gives them a chance to win the game. It's interesting. When you look at the history of the league, how many defensive players can take over a game and be disruptive like, like he's capable of, and there's probably four or five, and that's it. You know, Right. Uh, right. But then, then to say that he's an interior lineman, that's incredible. You know, they just, yeah. one, one of the things that they did I thought was really cool is they, they're moving him around all over now. You, know, you notice that? A, yeah. He was, on, he was at the left end. He went right through uh, yeah. that, that poor tackle. He didn't know how to set on him. And yeah. then he's inside on the left and he's outside. He, they, you know, they're lining him up on, on everybody. And it's uh, right. they do that so that if you just leave him as a three technique inside or whatever, then you can, as a play caller, you can double him in the running game because you know where he's going to line up, yeah. you know, and you can yeah. double him in your protections. But when you're moving him around, you can't double him. You know, no, you call a run no. to double him, and all of a sudden he's at the end position over here instead of being a three technique. So that young coordinator uh, at the Rams has been very impressive to me. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brandon Staley taking over, like we said last week for Wade Phillips. I think he's yeah. done a nice job. He ke- he's kept the energy. Uh, I think Brandon Staley is one of those young guys that should be on everybody's list as a head coach, you know, uh, to come in and, and do what he's done defensively is kind of brilliant in my, in my mind. I just, and his players play with such great enthusiasm and pizzazz and, you know, that's a leadership deal there. And I think he's, you got to give the guy, Brandon, you got to give him credit. Yeah. You know, that's an easy thing to mess up. I don't know that people understand that you take over a really good team with a lot of talent, all the pieces in place. You could probably mess that up before you take it to the next level if you're not very careful. So I think that that's a, that's a good point. Absolutely. Mike. He's impacted him, you know, in a, I guess in an X and O way, as well as a, you know, the leadership and the emotional part of it and getting them charged and ready to go. You don't hear his name very often though. You know, I'll hear college guys being talked about. Maybe that's not atypical, but you don't hear his name much. Well, I think, I think you will. <laughs> I think it, it's just like in San Francisco, uh, Sala, you, you just, yeah. uh, yeah. those guys, their names will start to surface now because the league has been so accustomed to hiring quarterback guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now those guys uh, on the other side of the ball, you'll start to see uh, that trend, I believe, because they've, they've impacted uh, their team so, so much on defense that, there's a leadership thing there that I think is pretty important to look at. Yeah. Yeah. They bought in, they've, they've drank the Kool-Aid right. and they like the Kool-Aid right. and they know it, it the players are playing for them and they're playing at a high level, but more importantly, when I look at their coaching, the details of what they do, you know, it's a pretty incredible stuff. And the creativity uh, that Brandon has brought to the defense is I think is unique in this league right now. Yeah, it is. Before we move on to the uh, AFC, uh, one thing I didn't notice at that game at, very physical game the 49ers came down and they said here's what we do we're going to try to punch you in the mouth we're going to punch you in the mouth and I noticed Goff once he starts skittish once he starts off a little off balance he tends to stay off balance and 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 he just started throwing the ball all over the place and that was the beginning of the end for him I think uh, with Jared, and I don't know if this is by design or on purpose or whatever it is, but in their passing game, and and this is a criticism, but they don't have anything that's real quick. The three-step game just doesn't exist with them. I'm talking about the slants and the quick hitches and, you know, the quick stuff to receivers and and tight ends that, you know, they just don't do it. You know, everything is bootleg and more or less deep in the pocket or, or off of play action and, that part would really help Jerry. I do think that golf is uh, limited because he's not real quick with the ball mechanically. No. You know, he has, he has that kind of a wind up, And so the ball doesn't come out of there real quick. And so that, I think that might be part of it, but I think they need that. I really do. I think, especially with the receivers that they have to be able to just throw to load up through receivers on one side, get, get one isolated into the boundary, just throw them a slant, you know, and, yeah. Uh, hitches and stops and you know there's all kinds of things that you can do they just don't do that and I think it would help them it seems like I I see these three plays I see or formations I see um, bunch formation I see uh, bootleg play action bootleg a lot of times off of that bunch formation Uh, what else do I see Um, they will they will run they will run some two tight end but 
everything has to be off a of play action and they got to get him out of the pocket. Well, That's remember now when he, when he came there, he knows this offense inside now, like nobody's business. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that, and he's a brilliant guy. Really, I just think for him to do what he's done is pretty miraculous as a coach, but the so next step, McVay, McVay, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the next step for him is you do have to change, you know, that, you know, line up and just run the West coast system week in and week out. Like the 49ers supposedly did. They didn't, you know, Walsh changed, you know, he, every week there's, he had new wrinkles and when they played the, the week before, there's some things in the past game I'd never seen them do before. And yeah. you, you just have to have that little bit of creativity. You can't be, Static, like for instance, the Baltimore Ravens. You know, they're they just keep doing the same old stuff on two hiking. It's just the league's too good. They got too many good guys that know what they're doing the other side to take that away. Yeah, and that fly sweep with Robert Woods, they get a lot of lot of uh, time off of that fly sweep. That was the other play I, I, I couldn't remember. So, and and Mike uh, um, Kyle Shanahan knows how to uh, beat this team. Uh, that's what I think. I think he matches up well as a coach. Think about it, Mike. He doesn't have probably, he had probably got 25 guys on IR right now in total, including the COVID thing. And, but some pretty good players. Bosa's not there. George Kittle didn't play. Now he got back Mostert. It got back uh, Richard Sherman. That helped a lot. But they came down there and beat him without a lot of uh, guys on their, on their team. Well, and I think they changed just enough on both sides of the ball. They're both creative, you know, Saleh yeah. and then Shanahan on offense. Uh, you know, it's similar kind of, I think, to what we did where the formation guys and personnel group them. And, yeah. and I thought the quarterback – I was stunned by the quarterback. Um, I, I was too. I didn't – I saw his first couple games when, when they put him in uh, when Garoppolo went out, and I was like, ugh, this is going to get ugly fast. But he – But he was out. real quick with the ball. Yeah. He, he saw things quickly. He got it out. He was accurate. And they probably reduced the volume and just repped it pretty good, you know. And, yeah. and uh, I think when you go through what he did earlier, um, you get that second chance. You're not going to let that happen again too as a player. Yeah. So, But yeah. I, I just felt like they did a great job of coaching. Um I just I love watching teams that coach the details that that adjust and you and I can see them adjust. I say, oh wow, now, so yeah. that's what they did. To, that's pretty cool, you know. And you learn from that, and you never stop learning. You know, you, you just there's always something new to look and see, and that's why I like them. That's why I like Kyle Shanahan because I think he is one of the better ones in the league. He does a great job of teaching. Yeah, Debo Samuel was huge too. He he put it on him in the first matchup when they beat the Rams up there in San Francisco, and uh, he he did it to him again. He had some nice plays, so that's a guy who's and they who's just got have to back. be reckoned with. Yeah. yeah, yeah, another guy just got back, and that was that was big. So, and I said Mike Shanahan. That other, of course, is Kyle's father. But interestingly enough, uh, Mike Shanahan started to run the ball quite a bit in, in over in Denver, and I think that was a difference in that team being able to make that jump to the Super Bowl and actually winning it for an aging quarterback there in John Elway. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. Courageous is a word that describes America's veterans. Sadly, another word we can use is homeless. During this crisis, many veterans are living on the street. You can help. Donate at CardboardToHeadboard.org. 
On this week's episode, it's time for week 13, but not before we get that Ravens-Steelers week 12 matchup. From the 49ers' new home to the AFC North's any given Wednesday to the marquee matchups of the week, we break down all things NFL. Then we're off to Dylan for How Did I Get Here, which frankly feels pretty on brand for 2020. Clear eyes, full hearts, let's go. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Mars. So, Mike, let's move on to the to the uh, AFC now, as promised. So, Buffalo is sitting there at 8-3 and three in the AFC East, but Miami is one game behind Buffalo at 7-4. and four. I don't know that a lot of people realize that. Well, all the stuff they've gone through with the changes at quarterback and fits in, fits out, two in, two out, whatever, they're sitting there pretty darn good right now. They're in pretty good shape, but when the dust settles again, I think Buffalo right now I think is uh, will probably really continue to send pretty strong, and they'll be they'll be in the final four. I think uh, you know when it, when it all set, is said and done, but mm-hmm. um, in terms of AFC, but I think that uh, I just don't know if Miami's ultimately good enough. You know, and Buffalo is really good all the way around, and and they yeah. let the quarterback play, and they let the guard down occasionally, and, and you know, when they're creative and they keep doing some new wrinkles and, and challenges, kid, they're really good. Yeah, I, I'm still not sure Miami's a playoff team in this conference because the records are so hot. Like you look at the AFC South and Tennessee, you know, right. big win exactly. right there. Okay, yeah. and Indianapolis holding on. Yeah, unfortunately for Indianapolis, they're in a division with a team that's pretty darn good. Because they're good too, but they're <laughs> in a team. Right. They're in a division with a team that's got the best running back possibly in pro football. Yes, yeah, well, best I think he is, and they know how to use him. Uh, I think they have a great feel for for where they are on both sides of the ball right now, and uh, I think they they kind of moved away from it in some respect and lost some patience. And he is a patient guy down there, and I think that if they continue to be creative in the running game and pound it and just put the saddle on him and ride him because that's when this time of year, he, Derek gets better and better. Yeah. Yeah. That's a testament to his conditioning and taking care of himself off the field because right about now, if you're not, it will start to show uh, AFC North Pittsburgh. If they ever play this game against the Ravens, they're a perfect 10 and 0. Uh Cleveland is Cleveland a playoff team. They're eight and three. Now that's a pretty damn good record. Yeah, Second I don't think there's any question they're a playoff team. I think, yeah, they're one of the three or four teams in the league that are pretty well balanced in terms of what they do, run the ball, throw the defense, the special teams. They're they're very well coached. Uh, they have a plan on how they want to win, and they stay to it. They're very patient. You know, they're very, mm-hmm. very patient. Yeah. You know, the teams now that beat themselves eliminate themselves, you know. Um, by this that, time I mean, of the, the year. Yes, yeah. the penalties right. – Right. Penalties, turnovers, those kinds of things. Um, yeah. And they're not that kind of a team. And I think the testimony to the head coach, he's done a terrific job there. Yeah. And it seems as though they've moved on from uh, Odell Beckham, which I think is key. Not saying that he can't have an impact on the game, but sometimes a team finds out what they really are when they don't have the quote-unquote star player. Well, you know, he obviously he's a he was a big factor for for them winning. But when that happens, in my experience, you find out about some guys that you didn't know. By that I mean you got some guys that are are pretty darn good, 
but they've been kept in the background, so to speak. Yeah, and all of a sudden they right. start to, to come up and, and make plays <clears throat> and it's a good challenge for the team. Yeah. Yeah. And the Ravens sitting back third there at six and four. And finally the AFC West, the chiefs rolling at 10 and one Mahomes looking better and better. He went down to Tampa Bay and just kind of dispatched that, uh, that Buccaneer team, even though the score was closer than maybe the game started off. Yeah. It looked like at halftime, it was going to be real ugly. Yeah. Um, but again, Brady, that's who he is. He, he just kept slugging and coming back. And the consummate, you know, competitor, you know, and, and they have no choice but to uh, – that. the rest of the guys, they've got to continue to compete like he does. Whether he plays good or not or throws a pick, the personality is, is still substantial in terms of his wanting to be the best. And, and that personality comes through no matter what happens down there. But Mahomes, in my opinion, again, we, we talked about last week, I've never seen anybody – do the things that he can do in this game ever. Yeah. You know, he's backpedaling. He flicks the ball to his wrist and hits a receiver coming deep across the field and hits him in full stride. I mean, some of those deep yeah. balls that he throws, all the receiver had to do is just open his jersey and the ball drops in. <laughs> he just, I, he's just incredible. And I think we're watching history. Yeah, open his jersey. That's pretty funny. All right. Okay, I've got my uh, my buds back in, so we're ready to go here. All right. Uh, the the Seahawks and the Eagles. Ugh. I now you're starting to really see, and like obviously, like you brought this up weeks ago, but you're starting to see that the the Eagles' problems are way more than just the quarterback, and I. Poor Carson Wentz. I could really see it last night. There are times where they don't block anybody, and they kind of let him hang him out to dry. Well, Brian Greasy, I got so, and I know Brian. I got yeah. so angry at him last night on the TV. Some of the stuff that was coming out of his mouth just really irritated the heck out of me. Uh, he kept blaming Wentz for this and that, and he said, "Well, he should have yeah. thrown the seam." Yeah, yeah. Hey, you, Brian, there, the free safety was sitting there. Had he thrown it, it would have blown. He'd gotten blown up, you know, and. Yeah. I mean, there's reasons, and there's a mis, there's a disconnect. The last play that was picked, he thought that because the guy was inside on that pass that he threw and hit the safety, the he thought the receiver was going to break out. Well, the receiver broke into the defender, which is kind of unusual, and he just they weren't on the same page. You know, yeah. yeah his first three passes, two of them were dropped. He had he must have had six drops in that game, um, yeah, which has happened before. But it just angered me because I'm watching him. They don't protect him. Nobody can get off press coverage. It's got to be the worst group of receivers in the league right now. They can't get off of anything. They, they, they had a comeback on the right side, and the, and the poor receiver, I don't remember who it was, he was stumbling and fumbling around and once had to get off of him and took a sack. He couldn't get the ball out of there. So yeah. I challenge anybody to go in that group and take a snap and drop back and have any kind of success, and yet he did. And, said, and yet he moved him down the field, you know, so yeah. – uh, you know, yeah. after watching, I didn't, I wasn't sure, but watching that game with Carson Wentz, they've got some real problems down there. Carson Wentz is not the problem. No, that's that's exactly right. That's what I saw. It, it, it became glaring for some reason. Uh, and to, in, in and to his credit, he's he's got a target. He takes the hits, and that just is what it is, you know. Poor but guy. yeah, but I don't like their what they're trying to do. They're not, you know, they keep throwing these open edge stuff and letting guys come off the edges and. They don't run the ball worth a darn right now. Last night they didn't run the ball, and yet they've got a guy that's, you know, the back there is averaging like five or six yards of rush in the league. So 
uh, shame on them for what they did with them too, you know, and, but defensively, you know, they were pretty stout. They're pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mike, what do you think is going on there? I mean, it, the talk has been, okay, they, they, they went to the owner thing. Uh, Jeffrey Lurie didn't go to the last game. Lurie says it was because he wanted to protect the team against COVID because uh, he was out of town visiting relatives. Uh, and of course the Philly papers say otherwise, and you look at what's going on in the field. Uh, it's easy to make that uh, assumption, but this is a team that brought the city a Super Bowl after a lot of people failed. Um, but this doesn't look like that same coach and it doesn't look like that same team in any way, shape or form. You know, the guys that know before anybody that the coach is going to be removed are the players, and they start to play like that. I've, I've seen that happen too many times, and perhaps that's what's going on right now. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it just feels like there's going to be a change there. I, I really like him. I hope they don't, but yeah. it just kind of feels that. They've got – the problems they have are personnel issues, um, you know, the offensive line. And, and uh, my gosh, yeah, give a, get him a receiver that can get off press coverage, please. Give him a chance, you know, and – and what they're doing, they're just kind of static. They're not creative. It's just like they're during the headlights on offense right now. Yeah, here's a stat to take home for you. Speaking of receivers, our Sega Whiteside was drafted by the Eagles, uh, and the Eagles decided to pass on a pretty good receiver that they could have taken before him named DK Metcalf. So, oh, hey, yeah. I'm not right. saying, I'm just saying. Anyway, I'm just saying also that the Seahawks are looking pretty good record-wise. Eight and three, uh, old Petey has kept them fighting like he always does, and they're going to have a showdown against the Rams in Seattle. So, you know, you can't really ask for much more. Uh, the hardest that. thing, the hardest thing, Ron, is a head coach. Yeah. Is, as you get halfway through the season and you've got a real issue in, somewhere on your team, whether it's uh, – pass defense or rushing the ball or whatever it is to be able to fix that. And all of a sudden that become a strength is, is really unusual. And that's what they've done with their down four up there because they were like, they were non-existent the first half of the season. And all of a sudden they're getting a pass rush out of them, which helps them immensely in the back end. You're right. Well, they brought in Carlos Dunlap. Okay. That right. was, that was big. Everyone said that they couldn't survive without Clowney. Well, they've survived it. And, you're right. It's, that's coaching. That that's that's exactly what. So they've is. they've uh, addressed that in the yeah. bye week, and since the bye week, now that defensively they're a different team. So yeah, they are. hats off hats off to you know the Pete and what he's done there at the Seahawks, and they're a different team right now defensively, which I think makes him the best team in the NFC. That's West. right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they'll they'll play the Rams in a couple weeks here, and so that'll. That'll be a, a pretty good game, definitely, to watch. Uh, Ravens taking on the Steelers on Wednesday. We know that one's coming. Uh, uphill battle for the Ravens. Mike, I, I skipped over one, one pretty big upset, I, I guess you could call that. The Raiders went back to Atlanta oh, you, and you laid just, an egg. <laughs> you could you called it last week, and I thought, nah, you know, and you were absolutely um, right. And I thought, but here, here's what I saw with that. And I think you probably knew this. The Raiders are one and eight uh, in games on the East Coast, and now they're yeah. one and nine in the last 10, 10 tries. So uh, there's something wrong there, and they know that. But what really upset me was two things. Uh, they look like a team that did not want to play. They did not compete. I watched them on yeah. both sides of the ball. They were uninspired. And, 
you know, here, here you got the Jets that are 0 and 11, but, but they're, they're not any good, but they're trying to play. You know, Jags are, they're competing. This is a team that's got a chance to be in the playoffs and they just went down there and they lumpy dumped through the thing. Yeah. Number, the second thing that really bothered me, and this is an Achilles to John. This is, this is a weakness. He's strong everywhere. He's a terrific coach. He's great teacher, all those things, but he has a game plan. And you put that game plan based on, on what you see as a coach, right? You get down there, things are different. You got to change because they ain't working. And what they did, they've changed defensively. And now you've got to change and adjust to that. And that's what happened to him. He went down there and they played a five-down look. You know, the, the, like what we saw the Rams have in the New England, right, where they right. cover all the linemen. That's and, right, yeah. And expose that offensive line a little bit. And now they're getting pressure in the quarterback. They didn't, didn't look like they knew who no, – they knew who to block, right? And then yeah. in the running game, they just shut him down. And that's what John was going to do. He was going to go down there two tights. He was going to pound him, which is what I thought he'd do. But they said, no, you're not going to do that. Now, now what? Well, he didn't have an answer for it. He didn't have an answer for it. He didn't yeah. have an answer for yeah. it. And all of a sudden, the turnovers, what they have, four turnovers or something like that, and they got points off of all of them. So, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a tough, tough, tough uh, game down there to walk into. And, and John, to me – didn't do a good enough job in adjusting. And now it's in the quarterback's hands. Now you got to protect him and, and let him play two minutes, so to speak. And they didn't do that. Yeah. I mean, they, they literally got blown out of the water. And now here, this brings up another point. And some people will say, no, it has nothing to do with that. These are pros. You, you got to come to play, blah, 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 blah. We practice in the morning, so it shouldn't be a factor. But two things. I always thought the hardest game to win was a game against an opponent whose record isn't very good. Okay, sure. They, you, everyone's going to get up when you play the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Everyone's going to get up when you face Tom Brady. Everyone's going to get up for those big games, okay? But the test is, now can you go play a 1-8, and eight, a 1-9 and nine team that's struggling, that looks terrible on film, and you play them at their place and lose three hours on the time change. See, I started adding all that up, Mike, just because I've been in games like that, and those were always the hardest to get up for. A team may be lacking three or four players that keeps him at the bottom, but the rest of those players at those positions are real good, and they get demoralized. They're NFL players. Yeah, Yeah. but they're NFL players, buddy. I agree with you 150%. This happened to me. We were in 01 – we go to the Super Bowl that year, and, and uh, we win 14 regular season games. We beat Carolina. It was 42 nothing at halftime at our place. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the year, we go there to play them, and we have to stop them on the 20-yard line on a fourth down to get out of there with our, you know, with a win. And, and we had no business winning that game. They outplayed us, and they yeah. they played their butts off. So um, they're just too close. And people, the average guy or the fans, they don't really see – that the Jets at any time could beat uh, the Steelers, for instance. You know, it can happen. And it, it can does. happen. It can yeah. happen. You know, you look at the Steelers going down and play the Cowboys, probably should have lost that game. It just does happen. Yeah. You know, that team gets real inspired, and even though they're lacking a couple things, and the other team is uninspired, and, and as a coach, you've got to play to a standard, and you've got to preach that to your players. Yeah. Okay, so the time change thing. Am, am I just seeing ghosts with this? Is that a factor? Because it feels like it has to be. Even if you're practicing early in the morning, it's, it's something's different. And, and we've seen, you know, the Rams went back east twice. 
and lost twice. They went back three times, but lost twice. They lost to Buffalo and they lost to Miami. All right. One team is pretty darn good. The other team, they're probably better than. But is the time change a factor? I never felt like it was. Um, I think, you know, rain, snow, time change, um, time of day the game's played, um, all those things are just excuses, you know. Uh, I just never – those are distractions to me, and we work hard at talking to our players about those types of distractions. It's a distraction. It doesn't make any difference. Just, you know, you stay focused, stay focused, stay focused. And that mm-hmm. was – and it's hard, hard. It's so hard to do, you know, to keep them focused in, the, in that situation. But when you when you travel um, and you go back east, it's it's harder than coming out to the west coast, yeah, so to speak. You Definitely. know, and it's it's just harder going back there. Everything is earlier. If you try to mimic it, then you're bringing attention to it. If you play, if you practice with a wet wet football, you're bringing attention to it. You know, if you if you go outdoors to practice in the winter, so you're inside because you're playing in Green Bay, you're bringing attention to it. And we were undefeated on the road, but we were one of only two teams at the time to do that. And and I it just felt like I didn't talk about it, I'd bring it up. But you're going to go play this game. It happens to be here. Get yourself ready and let's go. And and yeah. not not uh, address it, and that was my way of dealing with it was to not deal with it because then it made it an issue. Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Uh, some teams, like if the tough one, I think, is when you play that. Okay, let's say you're an East Coast team and you play on the West Coast on a Monday night. Now your plane doesn't leave that that site probably until what Monday night game is going to start around five thirty on the West Coast. You're not getting on that plane till probably 10, 1030 at night and heading back east. So you're going to roll in to say New York, Philadelphia, whatever, probably around seven, eight in the morning. And the players and the coaches go right to work. That's what they, we do. They go right to work. I remember that with, yeah. with my father. Yeah, I would sometimes they played a Monday night game. I wouldn't see them. Right. Until Tuesday, because they go yeah. right into the office. You go right into the office and you know, <laughs> sleep sleep the best you can on the plane. And you had to work, and and then we would give you know you come in usually on Monday and and look at the tape right with your players and make the corrections and move on. Well, what we would do there is we we take a day off on Monday and see them on Wednesday to let the coaches get their work done and get a little rest and go. So the after effects of it are more important than the the immediate effect. I think it, it can affect you in that next game if you don't deal with it properly. Yeah, I think the Patriots have a scenario like that coming up. I believe they play the Rams. And the Chargers both out on the West Coast. So, and back to back weeks. Right. So, they're going to just stay out here, right? Is that yeah. what you would do, Mike? No. You would stay, no, what would you do? I'd fly, I'd come out and go home. Go out, you go would home. go, you would go home, even yeah. though you had to explain why. Because there's a familiarity. You know, these players are, have a routine during the week the bed they sleep in, what they eat, the food they eat at night, and you know, the travel part of it, it's five hours or whatever it is from coast to coast, right? So yeah. you just deal with that. But they can recover at home, the familiarity. It's, it's you know, and I just, to put them in a hotel for a week, uh, it's, it, to me, it's too unsettling. I just try to keep them in their normal routine as much as possible. Man, I remember when we were calling games together for Fox, you know, if we had to, 
go back east to, to say Atlanta two <laughs> weeks in a row. And I was like, Mike, I'll see you. You head on back to San Diego. I, I'm staying here. It just seems so hard on your body. But you make a good point about, hey, these are just all the little di- distractions and stuff. And it used to be in camp. You, you, you plan for that. Like you said, you would have a scrimmage against uh, the Saints up in Wisconsin. Then you'd have another scrimmage against someone over here. And then you bring someone else in. And you put your team in situations to be uncomfortable. So they got comfortable being uncomfortable. Right? We used to, in camp, we used to create diversions or distractions for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, and see how they perform and stuff. Change practice time, change meeting time, you know, all those kinds of things. And uh, I think it's important. When those things come from the outside, you can't let your players blink. And you're giving them an excuse. Well, we're going to stay out there for a week because of the travel, you know, it, there's an excuse. Oh, we had to come out these coasts. We're just not used to it, blah, 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 blah. No, you get on the plane, go back home. Sleep on the plane. I'll see at the facility on Wednesday or whatever, and we'll go play. And I just uh, – that's my way of looking at it. I know it's probably different than 90% of the people that – involved yeah. with it but i just when you start talking about something possibly affecting the game you as coaches can realize and fend it but you don't ever i don't ever talk talk to the players about it because right. then it then that takes their focus and they start looking at that instead of the task at hand and you know we wanted to shield them from that as much as possible that's just the way i looked at it yeah yeah okay all right let's talk about this uh, this week's games now, here we go. We're into December, okay? And w- whatever you thought you were, whatever the media told you you were, whatever your wife or girlfriend thinks you are, you better be that now or you're going to be sitting at home on the couch watching the playoffs. So Browns and Titans, 8-3, eight 8-3. and, three, eight and three. This is a banger here now. This is, this, is, this is an example, Mike, of if Cleveland thinks they're, they're him – you know, that's that's a new term. That's a relevant term. He, he's him. If you think you're him, then now's the time to show it because they're going to see him in the form of a guy named Derrick Henry. Well, they are. And I and I do think that Baker Mayfield has to be at his best. I, I watched him play last week and he missed an easy, probably two easy touchdowns. He just missed missed them. And there's a reason for that. What he's doing with his feet right now. Uh, he's happy feet all over the place. He doesn't set himself when he throws like he should. And, yeah. But he needs to he needs to really be on top of his game and for them to have a chance in this game. If he plays as well as he can play, then I think they probably have a great chance of winning that game. But he can't play like he did last week and expect to come out of there with a win. It's not going to happen. No, no. And they better be ready to stop the run because they know they're going to get it. So. Raiders going back to the Jets. Now you would think, oh, here's a here's a perfect example of what we're talking about with the the slingshot across the country. I know it's Vegas, it's not quite West Coast, but still at 6 and 5 versus an 0 and 11 team. <laughs> here's another one of those games where if the Raiders go back like they did last week, they could lose this game. They can. You know, if they play like they did down in Atlanta, they will lose it. Yeah, yeah. You know, they will lose it and uh I think it is a a big challenge for John to fix whatever's been broke in this one and nine record they've got in the last 10 East coast trips. So uh, this, this will be a real interesting game to watch just because of what you said the, you know, how well the Raiders can go back and play at a high level uh, on the East coast. Cause they've not done it yet. Yeah. And people keep saying, 
oh, uh, the Jets are going to not only make a coaching change, but they're going to get a new quarterback, get Trevor Lawrence from Clemson in there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't know if it's that simple. And didn't you guys just draft Sam Darnold a few years ago? He was a, a number one pick, right? You thought a lot of the guy, right? What, what changed? What happened? You know, and that's, you know, that's a fallacy about drafting a quarterback number one that's gifted and has talent and then not giving him anything to play with. Exactly. You know, it's like buying a new Mercedes without tires, you know, you can't drive it, you know, so it's, it doesn't make any sense. You know, they've got no offensive line, the receivers, the, you know, no running game. I mean, it's, and you can blame, you can blame the, the, you know, everybody, but somebody better figure out that whoever put the personnel there, where you need to start if you're going to start blaming people. oh well like like joe burrow you know that kid is, is scheduled for surgery here or, or having surgery you know because of inadequacies up front right and that's the problem with a, a team like that that has it's like what Wentz is going through right now in philadelphia and it, your talent like that he's a number one pick and i heard brian yeah. grishy start talking about what they got to lose they picked this guy as number two. Oh, i hate to hear that oh, and what gosh. do you got well what do you got to lose is you know, obviously the coaching staff feels like Wentz gives them the best chance to win. You're not going to just take a mulligan on the season and start a carousel yeah. of quarterbacks. So they're changing the quarterback there isn't going to change anything. Changing yeah. Sam Darnold there and, and bringing uh, somebody else in there isn't going to change anything until they fix what's wrong around him. That's right. Bengals going to Miami. Uh, Bengals, Bengals could, I don't know. I don't know. No, if I don't no, I don't see I don't it. Think so. I really, yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. I think Miami is is in a. I think at this point in the season, they see the potential anyway of getting. That's the right. Yeah, and those teams that even though they're not going to win the division, probably uh, they got a real chance to get in the playoffs. They get stronger. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, right. they do. They just get stronger they and get stronger. Strong, and yeah. I, I think that's yeah. what will happen there. And I think he's done a great job down there coaching. Um, and I think Fitzy is. You know, I think they win this one. Yeah, yeah. Colts going to Houston now. Houston, you know, they pulled out a win there on Thanksgiving against the lowly Lions. I see they're starting the same talk uh, in Detroit about Stafford, and maybe it is time for Stafford to go. I mean, he may want to go because he's seen that they're stuck on a treadmill that's going backward. Here's what I know about Detroit and Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford leaves. And whoever they bring in will be awful. Yeah. Because it's yeah, the I'll same, it's the same I'll script. It's the same script with Wentz. It's the same script to the Jets. Until yeah. they address all those other issues, whoever you put in that quarterback position has got no chance. Remember Aikman his first year in the league? Well, they're one yeah. in fifteen. And, yeah, we, and, uh, we played against them that first year. Oh boy. <laughs> he he should have yeah. got the red badge of courage there, you know, for <laughs> surviving that season, you know, and uh, until you get those pieces around you, how good would Patrick Mahomes be uh, at the New York Jets? You know, yeah. he would impact and maybe they have some wins, but they're not going to win anything. You know, it's just yeah. – and that's what people don't realize. They think because you have a great quarterback that you're just going to win. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's still 11 guys that got lined up. Yeah, yeah. COVID uh, – Colts got to get some guys off that COVID list, get back healthy and go down there and play the football they can play. Lions, Bears, Bears look like – they look like a, you, you, you say, okay, the, the, the first people to know when a coach is about to be fired are the players. Well, the players, they're starting to play like that. 
I think they are. Um, and I think they probably do make a change there. Uh, you know, like I said before, I don't, it's hard to think of head coaches losing their job because I've been in that position, but yeah. um, maybe, maybe it is time for a change because there's something broken there that, you know, they're not going to fix. So maybe it's time for a change. Yeah. Saints with their new quarterback situation going down to Atlanta. Oh, I think they're catching the Falcons at a perfect time. Falcons I, feeling pretty good about themselves after that big Raider win. And here comes the Saints at nine and two. Matt's still Matt. He's still a pretty darn good quarterback and yeah. can score points. So, and defensively, they've gotten better in the last three weeks. I'm talking about Atlanta now. Atlanta, uh, yeah. And I, I'm, I don't think Hill is. I think against a team that is fairly generic, you know what they're going to be in. That's one thing, but um, they will try to run the ball with Hill quite a bit. I think at quarterback, but yeah. if push comes to shove. I, I, I think this is that upset. I think that uh, I'm I'm gonna call it the the Falcons call, are gonna upset. I'm calling it out right now. You heard it. But. You know what, Mike? I might go there with you. I because because the Saints aren't that type of dominating team by any stretch of the imagination. They're a good nine and two team, and they've got a couple gadgets going, namely Taysom Hill, the quarterback that worked. But uh, Taysom is like a house that's that's what is that? A smart home where everything's on the internet. When it works, it works great. But when it doesn't, nothing works. They feel a little like that right now. So he was an unknown quantity quarterback here for a few weeks. They have a bit of a book on him and what he can do and what he can't do now defensively. And now you can zero in and take some of that stuff away. You're not going to let him get some of those runs around yeah. the edge into the end zone. And you know now you kind of see how they're using him. And you can go to work trying to box him in, so to speak, and make him throw. So, yeah, I, you know, they're real good on defense now. Norm's really good on defense. But I just think that this is one of those deals that lines up for an upset. And I think that Atlanta's got a chance. Yeah. Now, New Orleans is good on defense. They're, they're a little bit uh, reckless on defense, too. And they're, they're What like- they do, unsound is not the right word, I guess, but they're so different that – um, if you catch them, though, you know, they create so many problems because they are so different. Yeah. If you change on offense, you expose them. But if you're in a static set, you know, they'll work you to death. So, yeah, that's what it is. No, that's that's right. That's that, that's what I'm seeing, isn't it, Mike? Yeah. You know, different. because they what they do is they play formations and personnel groupings very well. They have some great stuff yeah. for it. But all of a sudden, you break that formation, do different things. Uh, they don't. You can't put all that stuff in and be signed against a number of things offensively. And I think the Falcons—they're uh, playing with house money right now. What do they got to lose, right? <laughs> right. That's right. Oh man, never trust a man that sits in the corner with one arm and takes on all covers. <laughs> That's the old uh, Dan Reeves line about walking in casinos and playing with those slot machines. Be careful. Yeah. Uh, the Giants and the Seahawks shouldn't be a problem for the Seahawks, but uh, you know, as you say, you got to play it, and this is where coaches have to make sure everybody stays eagle-eyed on that thing. Well, prize. Pete's too good. Uh, they're not going to let that happen. Um, and they're getting better and better on defense. And it, it's an uphill uh, deal for the Giants. You know, they lose Jones and now they got Colt McCoy, who's who did a good job. But um, yeah. this is the team, regardless of the record, that has gotten better every week. I'm talking about the Giants. So 
But fortunately for the Seahawks defensively, they've seemed to come alive now, particularly up front. So this will be a hard game for the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, New England, come like we said, coming out to beat the to uh, face the Chargers, and uh, Chargers they just can't seem to pull the game out. It just they find new ways to lose. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, I haven't gone back and looked at any of the coaches' copies. I've watched some of their games, but. Uh, they lose these games in the fourth quarter and they're so productive on offense. They're, they're like third in the league on offense or whatever. So they're, they're doing a lot of great things offensively, but they just, it's not like they're, they're bad on defense. They just at certain moments, they just kind of go to sleep at the wheel and it's, you know, it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, They're so close to having four or five wins more than what they have. And, uh, it's just a, a difference of a player or two. Uh, and I haven't seen that for quite some years in the league. Yeah. Philadelphia going to Green Bay. Hmm. What do you think? Well, un- unless, they, unless they get a complete new offensive line, I don't think it's going to help Philadelphia at all. You know, there's – and I think Green Bay at the end is going to be in the Super Bowl in the NFC West. I just do. Um, and I think they're – Right now, they're kind of a middle-of-the-road defense. They're like fifth on offense, but mm-hmm. they're running the ball well. They're not asking Aaron Rodgers to, to win the game by himself anymore. And I just think Green Bay is settling into who they are, and they're getting better and better towards the end here. So this is a tough sledding, as they say, for Philadelphia. They've got Devontae Adams outside uh, in the uh... – uh, the other kid, I, I always butcher his name, Scantley. I'm, I'm going to stop right there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, do they have enough outside? Um, if they, they do, based on coverage. So, in other words, uh, because they're rushing the football so well, they'll force a lot of middle close defense. So, the free safety, one-on-one on the outside, and that's what you want. Uh, I think that uh, the, the answer is yes. Because they do rush the ball and they can kind of, you can't go to sleep and go get into cover too because they can pound you and beat you running the ball. And I think that's important. Yeah. Rogers, you said Rogers is, is he doing less now? Does he, is, does it look like he feels less pressure? I think so. The- you know, before it was, um, it was uh, flag football, you know, it was a pass on every snap practically and years ago. And, and now uh, they there's play action. There's, but they're running the ball so much better and, and, uh, and they're playing better on defense. I think they're a middle of the road uh, defense in the league, which I was a little bit surprised at, but uh, he still is capable of making those unusual plays. Like he, he and Mahomes are, are similar in that respect. You know, they make plays that just everybody else, else in the league just can't make. And I, th- yeah. I think that's bottom line push comes to shove a buck 30 left in the game. No timeouts. Who do you want in their quarterback? You want Mahomes or you want Aaron Rodgers? Right, right. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that's the name. Sorry about that, Marquez. I got you, man. I got you. All right, uh, Denver and Kansas City. They're going to Kansas City, 4-7, and seven, taking on 10-1. and one. Uh, Better bring everything you have, Denver. I'm sure they will. I, I do think that Denver's done such a good job on defense, but it's just not going to be enough, as you know. And Mahomes, where he is right now, Patrick Mahomes and – you know, Clyde the Glide, you know, he's he's given them a whole different dimension at running back. So that team right now is – I don't see them losing during the season, regular season anyway. Yeah, and the big one, I think, uh, the Rams at 7-4 and four now, 
tipping a little bit, going to Arizona, taking on uh, the six and five Cardinals with the little man, uh, Kyler Murray. Well, Kyler Murray's not the same. Last week, he he looked like he's injured. He looked uh, shoulder. He looked tentative. Yeah. Uh, he he didn't look the same, and he's a little guy. So again, the way to the way to affect him is not try to sack him, but squeeze the pocket, not let him outside, make him step up inside because he's five ten, right? Right. And right. and then squeeze the pocket, and it's, he's, he gets a little happy feet because he is injured. And um, I just think that the Rams get better there. I think they beat him. Yeah, so they the, the Cardinals have lost the last two, but you know what? It's actually, as we talked about, kind of the last three because three. if yeah, you don't throw a Hail Mary, that's a loss also. So You're talking about the Buffalo game, yeah. The Buffalo game, yeah. So uh, Kingsbury's – I hope he's spending some extra time at that grease board because things aren't quite as as good as he may think they are right now. I think you need to get a number two quarterback some reps. Mm-hmm. This week, because I don't think Kyle's going to make it, especially with Aaron Donald and crew. So if you can box him in and have Donald control the middle, right? Yeah. So you tell your end, squeeze it. Don't try and beat him around the edge because he'll step up and work outside with his feet. Squeeze it, give him no no place to run on the outside and and put Aaron Donald to work inside. And I think it's going to be too much for him. I really do. Yeah, I think so too. I think the Rams match up really well with this team. I I think – you know, like your old teams, Mike, they're they're a lot faster and quicker on on the in person than they are on the film. And if I had to pick one guy offensively that to me seems to show up over and over and over and over, it's Cooper Cup. Oh, they no never, question. no one seems to ever have an answer for Cooper Cooper Cup. He's like uh, uh, McCaffrey was back in the day for the old Denver Broncos, right? You know, the the dad McCaffrey, right? Yeah. Right. He reminds me of Ricky Prohl. Ricky could go one-on-one with anybody inside, and you just weren't going to cover him. He and Oz Akeem, those option routes, they were just – if you're in man-to-man coverage and didn't trap him inside somehow, you're going to have a hard time, right? Yep. Yeah. I I think that uh, Sean McVay and that that loss, what good coaches do, they go back and they fix it without – grinding them or getting mad at their players or coaches right he'll go back and fix it take a logical look at it and they'll come back and they'll play real well i I think they win this game yeah they go and fix it but you don't know they fixed it because their demeanor doesn't change right right yeah yeah as a player mike that's what i wanted to see i wanted to see number one no panic i wanted you to tell me what i did wrong and how to fix it i want the change to be seamless quick and now we're on to next week and back into our routine i didn't like things that lingered from last week on to the next week on to the next week yeah just just let's let's move on like they say move on but players want to know what went wrong and how to fix it and it's not so many times in my coaching career i've been on staffs where it's you know there's a lot of blame involved with that stuff and i think people in the media want to know who to blame uh for losses and uh things of that nature, but you just go in in a very logical way. Look, here's what happened. You're too short on your route here, or you didn't step with the right foot here on this block, or you're out, you didn't recognize the formation or, you know, whatever it is, you have to fix those things and move on. It's very seldom is it an effort issue. Yeah. All right, Mike. Fun as always, my man. And don't forget Wednesday, the Steelers and Ravens are finally going to play their football game. So we'll, We'll be able to talk about that, and uh, we'll always have fun as usual.
Absolutely. Thanks, Ron. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. It's now time to turn the mic around and hear from you, our listeners. Got a question for me or the coach? Just send us an email at runitagainpod at gmail.com or leave a comment on social media at runitagainpod. Don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Be safe and stay healthy, everyone. Run It Again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz is a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ed Maloney, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at Run It Again Podcast.